Well, hi, welcome back to the channel. You know, we're asked a lot about living in Florida, in Southwest Florida in particular, and what about the issue of storms, the issue of hurricanes? And so we thought we would sit down today and, and chat about that a little bit because we spend a decent part of every year in what's technically hurricane yeah, season. Hurricane season, that's one of our big seasons down here. Absolutely. Well, I'm Terry Pascarelli with MVP Realty. I'm Rich Pascarelli with MVP Realty. And so today we'll tackle living in Florida during hurricane season. What do you need to know? Right. And uh, as we talk about that, we're going to talk about this from our perspective. Things we've experienced and learned by living in Southwest Florida for a long time. I'd have to say by no means are we the hurricane experts. Absolutely not. And so what's the best thing we can do, I think, to help people in terms of getting really accurate and expert level um, well, we're gonna, recommendations. We're going to put in a bunch of links at the bottom that uh, will take you to all of the official sites. They'll tell you where the, where the hurricane zones are and where the uh, shelters are, evacuation routes, all of the, the extensive preparations that you should be taking. So we're just going to brush over some of that stuff and tell you about things that you really need to be thinking about if you live or are thinking about living in Southwest Florida. All right, well, let's get to it. Well, the first thing I guess is what is and when is hurricane season and maybe people know this but we should know that hurricane season technically starts on June 1st of every year and runs through November 30th right. however for the last I think at least six years there are tropical depressions or tropical storms that seem to be forming earlier and earlier and right. the warnings and the guidances are starting to come out from the National Weather Service earlier than right. June 1st. Well, here we are, we're already into June, and we've already had the first named storm of the season. That was back in May. So, right. Yeah. So I think what I've heard is that the National Hurricane Service and the weather authorities are going to use May 15th unofficially right now right. as when they start giving guidance because things have happened earlier, like I said, maybe the last six years the at least. The last few years anyway. And then Absolutely. they'll consider whether or not there's someday an official change to hurricane season. Right. Uh, the definition hasn't changed, but the practicality is we've got a little front end stretch to the season. Absolutely. So I, that that's important to know. And then the next thing about hurricanes is that they're not a one size fits all. Yeah, well, I mean, well, what is a hurricane? Well, first of all, you have the tropical storm, and I believe that that wind on the tropical storm is going to start around 39 miles an hour. Is and, that sustained? And or? that's a sustained winds. And then after that, you're going to get into the, the, the hurricane uh, winds. A, a Cat 1 will start at 75 miles an hour, and you'll have Cat 2, Cat 3, Cat 4, and Cat 5, which we hope we never, ever see. Uh, that starts at over 157 miles an hour is where that one starts at. Yikes. Yeah. And you know, as you talked about, even a Cat 1 storm at 74 to say 95 miles an hour, um, what people have to also think about when they're making decisions that we'll talk about later about do I stay or do I evacuate, right. if you are staying and the sustained winds get to a certain level, our emergency responders in South Florida are not allowed or able to be dispatched. Right. They have to really stay in the operations centers and where they are until sustained winds come down 
to a safe enough level for them to come out and look for you exactly. or to try to help Absolutely. you. And so you may have to stay where you are if the sustained right. winds start getting high. So if you have a medical emergency or if you have any type of an emergency, uh, if the winds are too high, they cannot come out. They have to. They have to stay inside. Otherwise, they're they're going to be put in, in danger uh, just as much as everybody else is. And I'm, out on a street during hurricane winds is not where you really want to be. No, that makes sense. You know, we talk about hurricanes, and over time there have been quite a few of them. I went back to look at the statistics, and it's 341 major hurricanes have come in the Atlantic or up through the Gulf, and of that. 38 major storms have made their way to Florida, right. but that's over 170 years. So right. like a long time and um, quite a while since they've been keeping track of, of that, maybe more recent that they've gotten fancy names, but um, right. 38 storms that really have had that level of really high significance. And it doesn't mean though that you don't get a lot of drenching rain and a lot of um, we weather that changes your life and lifestyle for a few days, even if it's just a, a tropical depression or a category one. And that's a good thing to note too. It doesn't have to be a hurricane to cause all kinds of, of damage and problems. You know, if you get a slow moving tropical storm, that's gonna dump a lot of rain. You could get a lot of flooding. It doesn't have to be a hurricane for you to have flooding and wind damage with power outages. But as you get into the hurricanes, then things start getting more and more likely that there's going to be power outages and flooding. Well, maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the, the storms that have come through that um, really are in that 38 that people kind of remember and historically keep right. track of. Well, only three of those hurricanes uh, were a Cat 5 that, that, hit, that hit Florida. Uh, there's been Cat 5s that are out in the ocean, but and maybe they were a Cat 5, and then by the time they, they, they got to uh, land, they, were, uh, they reduced uh, the, their, their strength, either going through uh, mountainous uh, islands to our south or whatever reason. But only three, and only, in, uh, only two of those in the last 29 years, and one of them was Andrew, that everybody should remember back in 92, and the other one after that was Michael. So those were really, really significant from a a wind perspective, not that some of the others didn't do right. um, a, a, very, lot of a lot of damage right. and, and kind of create a lot of havoc. But um, I, I think that when you think about those big storms, while we say hurricane season starts in June, that's not usually when we see the likes of an Andrew or a Michael, no. is it? And all of those 38 storms that did hit, all but one uh, happened during the uh, peak season, which is August through October. Uh, only one of them happened uh, outside of that. So as we start getting later into the hurricane season, and you start getting into September, October, uh, those are really the peak season of the, of the hurricane season. Makes sense. Now in recent memory, I think the one we all think about now is Irma. Irma that came through right over our house uh, back in, back right in 17. And uh, we were, this was our, uh, our first uh, season in, in this house. And Irma was supposed to go north and hit the east coast of Florida. Oh, okay. But instead, uh, it didn't start to turn north until it came much farther west. And it ended up uh, going, uh, coming up and hitting Marco and in South Florida uh, as a Cat 3 hurricane. Makes sense, and that was a big one. That but maybe not one. the biggest. As you said, a lot of people right. remember Andrew. A absolutely. And Andrew, actually, the, what, uh, what Andrew did is it really made uh, everybody sit up and take notice and, and look at our building codes. 
before Andrew, there were some building codes there, uh, but they they either they weren't being enforced very well, they didn't understand them very well, uh, and uh, once Andrew hit the state or you know, the state pretty much said, okay, we've got to review this. We've got to, we've got to understand how we're building homes and how we could better build homes to withstand these, these forces, uh, these hurricane force winds. And thankfully with newer materials by the nineties and now since, right. um, the ability to upgrade code and adhere to them right. has really presented a good opportunity because Absolutely. homes are made more and more sturdy all the time compared to things that were made, you know, 50, 70, 100 years right. ago. I mean, most of our homes are all uh, concrete block with reinforced rebar and all of this today where they didn't do that back then. And with these, with codes, what they do is they review them about every three years. And as a matter of fact, it was reviewed and new, new, new code levels came into effect starting just this past January. Well, that's helpful to know, right? That we're now in a sequence where we're not waiting for the devastation of an Andrew right. for things to be reviewed. They're being done proactively. Right. So that's happening at a big picture level. I think the same premise holds for people individually. Don't wait until a hurricane comes to learn about hurricanes. There's an opportunity to be prepared Absolutely. because when storms come, the things that they can trigger are kind of several and damage can come in different ways. And then we can talk a little bit about how preparations help you balance some of that off. But mm -hmm. uh, it's not just sort of rain coming from the sky. There are a variety of things that are the, the triggers for damage. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you, everybody has, has heard the, the saying that you hide from the wind and run from the, from the water. Uh, because you, water's coming, coming in, you can't do anything. You've got you've to be already out of harm's way you can't yeah. run from it at the you, wrong time it you can't, can't run from late. it because the water is up and you can't drive out you can't walk out and i certainly wouldn't be wanting to walk through flooded streets you don't know what's in there you should never ever do that or drive through them either or drive through. you just can't drive your way out of those big deep right areas of water so when you think about it there is you know the rain's coming down and, per, and kind of putting water in a place where there's flooding issues mm -hmm. uh, but then we also have the impact of a storm we talked about sustained winds so where are you looking <laughs> i heard wind <laughs> thanks right on cue uh, yeah uh, so there's there's yeah. water right that's coming from the rains that are coming down in the hurricane and creating flooding in many cases right. because it's oversaturating the area and can't drain off fast enough but there's also the damage from wind, tornadoes that spin up, and also storm surge. Right. And I think sometimes that's a term that's a little bit like, well, what the heck is storm surge? Yeah, a lot of times they'll be, they'll be telling us that they're expecting a storm surge of three feet, five feet, even more feet. And what that is, that's, that's where the wind from the hurricane is pushing water from the, from the, uh, from the ocean or the gulf onto the land and that wind is pushing that water in at a higher level than what would a normal tide be. So if you're gonna be a, a, a three feet storm surge, that's gonna be three feet over tide level. So you're gonna have to consider where you are and what your elevation is and when it's time for you to evacuate. Makes sense, that makes sense. And you're, you know, you're kind of leading into, well, there are preparations that people can do actually well in advance, and then there are preparations that can be in need to be done as a storm is definitely approaching. So right. let's start at the beginning in terms of things people can do well in advance. 
that will help position them to make a decision about their plan and just to have a lot of groundwork done. One of those would be, you know, does everybody have a home inventory? And not everybody's walking around kind of recording room Writing by room. Writing everything down, how many but, spoons and forks and TVs and all but of this. If there was damage, how can somebody think about recreating and keeping uh, track of what right. they've got? It's very difficult for you to be sitting in a hotel room trying to remember everything you own. So one of the ways to do this uh, is to go around and take pictures or videos is even better. Take videos of your home inside, outside, all of your cars, your boat, your RV, all of this stuff, take a video of it, and don't forget to bring the video with you. Well, that's a really good point. Have it off-site in a safe place or Absolutely. take it with you when you go. Right. And part of that is this concept of protecting your home. Right. So that's knowing what your home and your property consists of. Protecting your home, there are also some steps that people take even as they talk to us about whether they're gonna buy or build a certain home or things they can do once they're in a home to sort of shore things up in, in terms of the structural protection. Exactly. One of the very first things, if you have the choice, is to put in impact resistant doors and windows. Absolutely. And that relates, I think, to the code conversation that you had a few minutes right. ago. You need to put something over the, the windows of your house. Now, if, you're, if you have impact resistant glass when you're building your house, that's the, probably the best way to go, especially if you're not uh, here full time. And if you're gone back up uh, north for the, for the hurricane season, you, have, uh, you don't have a way to get back down here and cover over those windows with, with panels. So you're probably gonna have to hire somebody to put them on and off. And if you have, and then of course, then everybody knows you're, you're not there. Uh, but if you have impact resistant, you don't have to be putting those things up. But not every home has impact resistant doors and windows and so there are some very good storm related options that you need to make plans for in advance even if you put them up in the days or hours ahead of a storm you alluded nice. to them storm shutters or accordion type things could be manual right. or electric uh, remote yep. which can work some gonna, of the time if they're down right. well if you have you know you're going to have uh, some sort of protection over your windows whether it's going to be a metal protection whether it's going to be some kind of a fabric protection whether the the window is impact resistant or even there is a, um, a a heavy film that could be put on there that's not as good as an impact resistant or or uh, a shutter but at least it's something uh rather than not having anything at, at all and once you know once you have your windows and, and things done then you can start thinking about doing other forms of protection like on your lanai what we have is we have a big um, screen that comes down it's electric but if the power is out uh, you can it also has a manual override where you can just crank it up and down and we take all of our lanai furniture everything that's outside we bring it in underneath it our covered area and then we close that screen and then all of the stuff that's outside is, has been put away. Which makes sense because one of the things when we talk about wind being an issue is that unsecured items become projectiles they during do. the course of a storm and you don't want your potted plants, your garbage cans, your outdoor furniture, right. pool equipment that's yep. unsecured yep. to really go flying around damaging your home or yep. somebody else's. A absolutely, and don't think that your big green egg is not gonna get, get moved away by the wind. I've seen pictures of in-ground swimming pools that have been moved. So if they can be moved, your, your, your big green egg can be moved as well. We even have our uh, air conditioning units and pool equipment that is actually bolted to the ground. That's part of a code 
that they even those big heavy things can get moved with water and wind in the storm makes sense and there are some things you can't take into your garage or take easily into your lanai behind a screen or into your home and then it's important to tie things down and one right. thing that comes to my mind is sometimes people don't think about we have these beautiful lights that may hang at our front entry over the front door and they're on some kind of a chain or something right well what happens to the that thing becomes like a absolutely a, you're a you're not likely moving, to yeah. <laughs> what a, a mess you're not likely to go up there and take that light down but you can tie it from you know from one side to the other so that it's not swinging back and forth it's going to get damaged if it does that and it could damage something else or someone else right so i think those are the kinds of things that in addition to planning ahead whether you have hurricane impact windows and doors or the mechanical devices to cover windows and doors be they fabric or metal what have you then you get into what you do as a storm approaches right. put everything away tie everything down um, and then you've got to think about well am i going to stay or am i going to go right. I mean, what do you do for yourself and it may depend on where you live relative to the coastline because there are different zones right. and categories of uh, where you're likely to be most at risk and of course close to the water and the coastline is right. most at risk and there's a whole uh, series of a b c d right e. there's <laughs> different different zones and most of zone a which is the the most likely to have any flooding issues uh that's going to be up against the coast and it's going to be west of 41 tamiami trail and then as as you drive east the zones are going to go b c d and e and as you're less and less likely to be uh, to be affected by storm surge right so i think category a is is always the one that's going to listen first for the call to evacuate and they may have they may ask you to evacuate uh even before the storm comes they have an idea of hopefully they have an idea of where the storm is going to go and uh, once you're in that uh, the, the the cone of hysteria as i like to call it once you're in that cone, then they may, you know, the, the county officials may ask you to, to evacuate or at some point in time, they may uh, have a mandatory evacuation of those areas. Again, because uh, they're not going to be able to get in there to help you. So they're going to make sure make that you're a decision out. in advance. Right. In addition to those coastal areas, I believe category A would also include people who live in mobile or manufactured homes. And right. so that's another consideration if anybody is staying in one or owns one about what the evacuation hierarchy is. Absolutely. And it, it varies with every storm depending on whether it's coming at you directly off the Gulf or coming across land. So right. every situation right. varies and you do have to be ready and, and prepared um, and have thought in advance. If you do decide to evacuate, what routes are you going to go? Right. Are you gonna go east? Maybe you're, you're gonna go north. Right, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to understand um, where the storm is likely to go and also you have to understand that other people are going to do the same thing if you don't leave soon enough uh, you're likely to get stuck in traffic uh, it's not the right place to be so the best thing to do uh, especially if you're in zone a is to consider leaving beef the storm even starts before it gets too close right now there are also opportunities in many storms to go to county or other uh, locally run shelters exactly. but even there it's important to have a plan because yes. not all shelters accommodate all needs right and not all shelters are open um, all the time so 
when a storm starts, they'll open up a shelter uh, and then maybe they'll open up another shelter. But you also have to understand not all shelters can accommodate uh, people with pets. Many shelters do not allow pets. Some shelters uh, specifically for people that are uh, in, in some kind of a health need. And you need to understand which shelter is the right one for you, whether you have pets, whether you have health concerns, you need to know where they are, you need to register with them before the storm ever, there's even a storm even, even uh, named. You make sure you understand that long before. Uh, and if you're gonna bring a pet, make sure that you also, uh, there, there's stipulations about uh, the, the pet needs to be in a pen, so make sure that you have that ready to go. Makes sense and probably documentation that your pet has been correctly vaccinated and is up to date on shots or any health related right. things that could get asked for as well as of course you bring not only supplies for yourself we'll talk about that later right. but supplies for your pet absolutely they've got to you know be ready as well right so um if you go to a shelter you have to remember that shelter is the key word they right. are going to provide a roof over your head a secure building and maybe a cot or blankets everything if else you're lucky everything is else you. is on you so you have to bring all of your own, uh, your food and water and supplies, your medical supplies, any sanitary supplies that, that you're going to need. You're br going to bring that because they're not going to have that there for you. Makes sense. And as you alluded to earlier, among the things you bring are not only your provisions you're going to use, but that video perhaps, or the, the thumb drive with the photos of your home inventory. Right. And also, it's a good idea to have a thumb drive or some portable way of carrying with you copies of your important papers, right. documents that you wouldn't want to be without. Even if you don't need them technically in the shelter, you don't know when you'll get back to your home Absolutely. or if anything gets water damaged or destroyed in some way. Right. You want access to your passport and your, other key your documents. Insurance papers, insurance, your insurance papers, any, any your documents. Your doctors right. and health paperwork right. and things like that that you would want to be able to reconstruct right. quickly and readily. Um, have it portable and take it with you absolutely and, and have that as part of what's in your preparation bag to yep. go so I think the other thing is remember to bring your phone charger they're not going to have that for they're you not going to have that <laughs> and you'd be lucky to be able to share electricity to keep it charged but uh, uh, yeah absolutely any of that stuff uh, games for the kids a deck of cards anything to help keep you occupied uh, during the storm that makes a lot of sense and I think that big theme is don't wait to the last minute whether you're driving far away deciding to try to get to the other side of the state or even out of the state or whether you're heading to a shelter um, have a plan and don't hesitate if it's the right thing to do or if you're even in doubt go you're, and right. check it out get into the shelter while there's still room for you or room for your pet or get onto the highway while there's still gasoline stations open and while you can get out without the traffic being at a, a total you know crawl absolutely um, you'll feel less stress and you'll get to a safe place and in better order um, sometimes people have uh, what they would call a bug out bag, right? To have right. it ready so that if that time comes, you don't have to say, well, now I need two hours to figure out what I'm taking with me. Absolutely. What's a bug out bag? Well, uh, we, you know, bug out bag we have, and I can show you uh, later on, uh, but we have two uh, backpacks that are filled with um, our supplies, uh, change of clothes, toiletries, any medications that we may need. Uh, any any phone numbers that we may want to have on hand, anything like that that we want to just grab the bag and go, uh, that uh, we call it a, a bug out bag. And we didn't invent the name, and and uh, but uh, we have one for each of us, 
and we take that with us. We also have another backpack that has first aid supplies because again, uh, the, the, uh, you may not be able to get an ambulance here. So to have some, uh, have some bandages or uh, aspirin, which you might need, you know, <laughs> uh, have that, have that available uh, to you. So it's, it's, you're not, you're not trying to do that the last minute. That's a great point. Now, you know, assuming then somebody took off to a shelter or to a safer area, coming back is the next decision. And maybe one point of suggestion would be not necessarily to try to rush and come back too soon. Right. Water may not have receded. Roads may not be open. Gas stations may not yet be open. There's and a lot of absolutely. uncertainty. And you're going to probably be, in, in, in many cases, you're going to be without power for days. And uh, that, are, are you willing to to uh, basically camp inside your house for a few days waiting for that power to come back on. You may consider waiting a little bit before you come back because when you do come here, um, all of the resources that you're gonna be looking for, everyone else is gonna be. They're gonna be in short supply. Water's gonna be, food, uh, you're, you're, you know, unless you have a generator, you're not gonna have air conditioning or even a fan. Uh, it's, it's gonna get uh, buggy after a storm. Uh, it's it's not the most uh, comfortable <laughs> environment that that uh, that you really want to be in. So think about that uh, about rushing back to your house. If you have a generator, then you know it might be a little bit easier for you. But if you if you don't, uh, but even if you do, you, you still need to get fuel for your generator, and that's uh, going to be in short supply. That makes sense too. Well, if people either are planning for what will be in place when they come back, or if they're in a position to stay because the storm hasn't risen to the level of need to evacuate. There's some additional preparations and things that people can have in their home and kind of keep an eye on, check the expirations or the, the age of things before the next hurricane season, right. just to make sure that their supplies are fresh and they're ready. So if you have power outage, kind of the to point you were just making, things like flashlights and, and radios, and that's not even right. the, the battery operated of it. radio, you know and uh, those are the types of things that you're going to need having around you're going to need food and water and medication for about 10 days for for every person in the family so uh you know we stock up uh usually over in the the winter months and we start putting uh putting our stash away and then uh once uh, once hurricane season's over we can donate a lot of that uh food or and not it. keep it or eat it and not keep it here you know uh year after year so we kind of rotate our food in and out and uh we you know we always want to make sure that we have enough on hand to to take care of us for 10 days of of uh of no power right and so that even means the types of things that we have on hand um are different than what we might cook and prepare on a normal schedule right and actually before we finish the video we'll take a look at our food supply because it's a time of year that we go back and check the levels of it and the dating on it so right. we'll share it with everybody um, in the next part of this video but for now the other thing that in addition to food we talked about batteries we talked about flashlights and a radio think how about things like light lantern mm -hmm. uh, you might need an LED type or a certain you style of lantern get LED lanterns a plenty of batteries um, <clears throat> how about cans even for water because you might have to store water to Absolutely. be able to use it. Yep, we have uh, water jugs, and uh, I have uh, gasoline cans that, if I needed to evacuate, I can fill up some 
some gasoline cans so that uh, I can bypass that gas station and keep on to the next. Right. Now, you're also one to be pretty handy, so, you know, there's probably no discussion that can go without the use of duct tape. Uh, how about those kinds of supplies? What are some of the other things you would keep on hand, and, and why do you have them? Well, when you're coming back, uh, you don't know what you're, you're going to be coming back to. So you're going to need... Uh, you're going to need some tools, you're going to need uh, some, you know, duct tape is always good, plastic sheathing is a, a good thing to have already, and not, not try to buy it on your way back, because you're going to go into Lowe's and Home Depot, and you're going to be looking for that stuff, and they're going to be wiped out. All of this stuff is going to be wiped out even before the storm. As soon as they name a storm, everybody runs to the grocery store and to the hardware stores, and they buy them out of everything. And if you haven't already done this, you ain't getting any. You're not going to get it right away, right. that's for sure. The other thing is, you know, we talk about powering up all of our, you know, technology that's all based on electricity. Phones charged, iPad charged, because you're not going to be able to recharge it for quite a while. Right. So solar batteries can be interesting as an option there. Right. But the other thing that makes me think about is you also can't run out to the ATM, which is all powered on electricity and so forth. That's when right. those things are down and the banks are closed and you need to have some cash on hand, which so many of us don't use on a daily basis the way we used the to. The way we do, right. But having cash available before you need it right. and when you need it. Maybe the only way you can actually have a currency that's going to be accepted. So small bills. Right. Small bills. Remember, first of all, the, the, the people that work at the bank, uh, they're home with their families as well. So they're probably not going to be open. The ATMs, if they, if, even if they had power, once they run out of cash, they're done. And when they do give cash, they always give it in $20 bills. When you go to a small store and you need to buy something, and all you have is a $20 bill, and in some cases people have $50 bills, that's great for maybe a hotel, but for giving it to the small uh, uh, corner store to buy yourself some more batteries, you're gonna pay $20 for you know, a set of batteries. Because they can't make Because change. they can't make change. And you can't go to the ATM to get more money. You, and, so. Right, exactly. And your credit card's not gonna run through a machine. All these things all we these take things. for granted are just gonna be down. Absolutely. At least for a period of time. And you'll, and you'll be lucky even to have communication because sometimes the, uh, the cell tower near where you live may have had some damage and you don't have cell service. So you can't call your, your, your uh, family up north and you can't let your kids know how everything is going. So make sure that they understand you may not be able to get in touch with them for a couple of days. That's right. No, that makes sense. Well, I think we've talked about a lot. When we're inside, we're going to look at the food stash and kind of how we think about emergency supplies there. Mm -hmm. But once the dust settles, the power's back on, you're back home safely and you're taking stock of what's going on, you may have some damage, even if it's not catastrophic right and you still have to watch out because sometimes people start turning up in neighborhoods to try to help right and that can be you know a little dicey as well you're always going to get people that are that are be right at your door looking to fix your your roof looking to cut down that tree that that uh, that was broken uh, and and do any of these repairs that need to be done around your house be very careful with them because you don't know who they are. Uh, look out for people that are, are you know, high pressure, only want to take cash. A lot of these people come in and they prey on people that are in need. So be very careful. It might be a good idea to identify some of those uh, handymen and, and uh, tree experts and roof experts before even hurricane uh, season begins. That makes sense. If you need to call someone, call someone reputable who's known in your town. 
um, and not necessarily think that the deal that someone knocking on your door is offering is really the best deal. Absolutely. It might be too good to be true. It, and, and it usually will be. And, and, and also remember that all of these people, uh, they are going to be so overwhelmed with everyone calling them. So patience after a storm is going to be something that you're going to... You, you have no choice but to have. That makes a lot of sense. It really does. So, again, you know, we're not experts. We've lived through some. We've known to evacuate, like we evacuated during Irma. It yes, was time to did. get out. Um, there's other storms that have not risen to that level of urgency, and we've been able to stay. We've been here during uh, power outages. So all these things have happened, all permutations of it. Uh, but we will leave some links, as you said earlier. Uh, so look below in the description, because the links will help you to see... Uh, where to go for shelter, what the pet shelters are, and what guidance is coming from the experts like the National Weather Service, the National Hurricane uh, Trackers, etc. Right. County a good, government. County government links are really important. Uh, maybe have those weather apps on your phone. They're great for tracking with, uh, weather, radar, and storms. Absolutely. And uh, all those kinds of things you can take a look at in advance. And every year in the June time period or heading into the summer, is a good time to back up and review with your family what is your plan, how are your supplies, what needs to be refreshed, and just kind of revisit it because a lot of things improve and right. you may be able to refine your plan and, and just be more ready to uh, make this not a bad situation for right. your family and uh, feel safe and hopefully we won't have too many named storms in any given year. Really, and listen to the experts because They've been through it before. They understand what you're going to be going through. They live here too. They're, they also have to live through it, but they've been through it. So listen to those experts. They have all the information. Makes sense. Well, while we're talking about preparing for hurricane season, we mentioned food and food provisions are certainly something that's going to be different for everybody's taste, but I thought it might be helpful if we took a moment and just showed you what we have in our emergency pantry for supplies that we know will help tide us over during a power outage and storm, stormy weather, especially if we're going to be preparing much simpler meals or forced to cook on our gas grill only outside. So come with us for a moment while we basically go through this kitchen lineup of supplies. We're taking stock for the season. We'll share with you what we've got. Well, here we are. We're going to take stock of our supplies, and I think we have a lot of stuff ready to go and probably a few items we need to shore up on even as we prepare for the next hurricane season. First thing that we keep an eye on is protein and looking at things that are in cans and easy to uh, store. They don't require refrigeration or freezing. And you can see we've got that supply of canned hams. We've got a good supply of canned chicken, and it looks like we're down to the last two on tuna. So, hey, Rich, I think we need to put something on our list. Absolutely. And, and don't forget, when you're buying these food, make sure you get stuff that everybody's going to like. Uh, if, uh, if you have a picky eater, if they only want to eat tuna fish, make sure you have that, or chicken, or whatever it is. But make sure you buy things that you're going to want to eat. That's a really great point. I always think of this uh, stereotype of people running to the store to get bread. And if you're not gonna have a sandwich for every meal, bread may not be what you want, but it could be soup. It could be, we've got uh, dark beans and we've got some cans of vegetables because usually we're buying fresh produce, but at this point in time, we would need to be able to open a can of something that didn't require refrigeration, that we didn't worry about it spoiling. 
And then in addition to something like beans and vegetables with protein, we have supplies of rice, of quinoa, of gluten-free pasta in our case, but some pasta, and then some things to make a meal more rounded. Cans or uh, jars of fruit, like applesauce and oranges and, and fruit cocktail. We keep kind bars, which are great for keeping your appetite at bay. They're healthy, they're tasty. And then you move to what I would say are the essentials. Absolutely, you gotta have some fun food for, for a hurricane. There are some long days and long nights and uh, you're amusing yourself. You're not running out to the movies or to some other uh, venue. So it may be if it's nuts that you like, salty treats, or if it's sweets, and then maybe that very important bottle of wine. Bottle of wine, you have to have the bottle of wine with your Skittles. There you go. So we make sure we have a bit of all of those things. And not to overlook the fact that once you have them, you have to be able to use them. I think one of the things you put out as a reminder, even for us, is that manual can opener. Absolutely. Can open, cannot open the tuna fish with your electric can opener. No. And then how about that interesting camper coffee pot? Absolutely. Remember, well, remember those when you were kids? You're not going to have your electric uh, coffee pot and make sure you, if you grind your own beans, make sure that that's, you have some, uh, some coffee ready to go for that pot and the fresh water to put it in. That's right. And even that fresh water could percolate some hot water and I could throw in some tea bags on mine and make some tea. The other thing I put at the end of the counter, just as a reminder is ahead of a storm, recharge everything that you want to have access to. If there is internet, or even if you just want to play games on your computer, make sure you've got things uh, well charged and you are ready to go. Well, that's our wrap up inside and uh, hope that's helpful to folks as they think about uh, what you might want to have on hand for hurricane season, jars, cans, and uh, easy to open food stores that do not perish. Of course, the first thing you're gonna do is take the food out of your refrigerator and perhaps your freezer and use it before it spoils. But once that's gone after a couple of days, these kinds of provisions that we have out here on the counter are really important and they are probably not gonna be plentiful at the grocery store for another week or two. Well, we appreciate you sticking with the channel, watching us as we share these perspectives about living and moving to Southwest Florida. We're here to help you with your real estate needs, whether you're moving from one home to another here or coming to Florida for the first time. So don't hesitate to reach out. I'm Terry Pasquarelli, MVP Realty. Rich Pasquarelli with MVP Realty. You can reach us at 239-300-6047. We look forward to talking with you about your real estate needs and wish you a very safe and pleasant summer and fall season. Uh, by the end of November, hurricane season will be over. That's right. Let's talk soon. Bye now.